Okay, so we're reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. Excellent. Thanks, Sharon. Happy New Year, everyone. It's good. I was disappointed you didn't act out that Bible reading again. I would have been interested to see your interpretation of it, especially the hugging stuff that you guys do so well. So, uh, uh, hey, look, if you're visiting uh, Rellies over here on a holiday, or maybe it's that time in your life where you've moved and you might be looking for a, a new church, a new place to call home, welcome. Uh, it's great you're here. Just please be where you're at in life and thinking about God. Uh, and uh, look forward to meeting you, uh, meeting you afterwards as well. But uh, but welcome. As Colin said, we um, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. I don't know if they ever really caught the guy, but uh, uh, I don't know what things you're trying to catch in life. Uh, we just pick four uh, not so random things that we do uh, spend a lot of time trying to catch and chase after. Um, so I hope you can join us for one or more uh, in January. So uh, just be uh, before I get get into it. What I wanted to do was just to uh, some of you, I know you're on holidays, you've got time to read, like me. So um, this, as Colin said, please grab a copy of this. Um, as recommended to be by someone else in ministry, I bought a copy for their whole church uh, last year. It's a really helpful read, uh, English writer uh, as well. You can download the ebook uh, reasonably cheaper than um, the paperback, but uh, get that. For those who just love a good read, love a bit about history, one of the more entertaining books I've read uh, I picked up, um, it's, it's hot off the press, it's called Timekeepers by Simon Garfield. Again, an English guy 
who found himself after an accident having time to contemplate. Uh, and uh, it's just really good because he comes at the history of time through media, movie, you name it. And um, it's just a uh, good read. I'll refer to that um, during the course of the morning. But um, just if you are interested in that, uh, please uh, yeah, talk to me afterwards. You can have a look um, or uh, grab your own copy. Let me pray and we'll get into things. Uh, loving Father, we, we pray to you now uh, of the Lord of the living and the dead, of the Lord of time. And Father, as we stand here in the doorway to another year, uh, with uh, all of that time ahead of us, uh, we pray you would uh, just mercifully uh, guide us into the truth of your word, uh, that we might uh, know you better, know the, your truth, your will for our lives in light of your Son, uh, and to give us that right perspective, that right attitude of heart and mind uh, as we make our plans, make our choices uh, for the year ahead. We pray this for our good, for our salvation, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll start off with a question. What are you trying to do with time? Uh, what would you like to do with your time this year if you could? If you had a magic wand, you could do anything with your time this year, how would you like to spend it? A friend said to me recently, time is now my most precious commodity. You tell me how to get more time, You've got my attention. I wonder if you can relate to that. Um, according to Simon Garfield in his book, we do live in a time-keeping world. Uh, how the world became obsessed with time, uh, Simon Garfield tells stories about um, how it is we've become obsessed with time. But more than that, he asks whether or not we've all gone completely nuts uh, in the way that we're living our lives. So, for example... Did you know that the online Oxford English Dictionary maintains a list of nouns that we use most often in our day-to-day speech? For example, the word month is at number 40. The word life is at number 9. Day is at number 5. Year is at number 3. Person is at number 2. And the most commonly used word we use is time. We mark time. We make time, spend time, save it, watch time, waste time, keep time, measure time. Uh, We take time outs. We eat them as well. We want extra time. We try to control time, sell time, slow time down. Why? All because we want to make the most of our time. And it seems every day we're trying to get more downtime. And so we now have my time, me time, us time, family time, and quiet times. And we've invented this strange phenomenon called quality time which begs the question what then is the rest of the time but i reckon these guys have worked it out does this logo look familiar see on the run never close because you and i we never stop running isn't that true Uh, we live out each day trying to beat the minute hand on our wrists to squeeze as much life out of the 86,400 seconds in every 24-hour period. It's fascinating that Woolies and Coles are now inventing their own on-the-run times. It's the most successful franchise uh, in in, in the business. Why? Well, because they are meeting a need. Australians are on the run. This uh, was the photo of the last weekend Australian magazine. 
I just sat and looked at it for quite a while. <laughs> it's a guy relaxing in a rock pool somewhere in Australia. Uh, time out. That's what we all love to be doing this time of the year. Uh, I guess the question is, why do you think the Weekend Australian chose this as the picture for the last magazine of the year? Um, I don't know if you've got your favourite rock pool or home pool or river or sea or piece of water that is your, your go-to place where you just love to relax, recharge the batteries so we can do it all again. Yay! In her book, Time, Money, Happiness, Alison Haynes, she sums up the time conundrum we've all got ourselves into. She's an Australian writer, a secular writer. What's fascinating is uh, the conclusions that all the research, uh, they all arrive at the same conclusions that uh, are in the Bible. Uh, She writes that time is elusive. We feel its presence, but we can't touch it. We know its power, but can't change it. We've learned to measure it, divide it and track it. But in our attempt to master time, we've given it even more mastery over ourselves. That brings us to those uh, timeless words of wisdom that we heard read out, we've seen acted out. And can I say that was very well done. Uh, And we're up to point two in our leaflets, God and time. You see, the Bible invites us to uh, consider a new paradigm a new way of thinking about time, a new way of relating to time, and hence uh, thinking about life in light of the time that God's given us. The the paradigm uh, Colin's already mentioned is this, that time is God's gift. It's it's not there to terrorise us. It's not some schoolmaster. Time is God's gift that he gives to humanity, to his creatures of dust, for us to enjoy in light of the day that is coming. And so we heard that passage, it started off, didn't it? Uh, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Uh, Now that is not saying there is a time to get everything done. No, there is a time for everything and there is a season for every activity under the heavens. Uh, And I've tried that passage, I'm sorry, maybe it's just someone to flick those lights out on the wall, is that all right? Just so you'll, you'll see that a bit easier. What I've just tried to do um, is to show how these uh, seven pairs, uh, these, um, these, these 14 um, uh, polar opposites sort of fit together. Uh, it's 30 times the word time is mentioned. Uh, it's the same time for sort of season. It means a, a period, uh, an allotment of time. Uh, and I wonder what thoughts or emotions, what memories uh, were stirred as you heard those words read out. Uh, I think it's probably the most famous piece of literature on the subject of time, the most well-known piece of literature on time. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, I want to invite all of us uh, at the beginning of this year to read the book of Ecclesiastes. I think if you're going to read one book in the Bible, especially an Old Testament book in the Bible at the start of every year, Ecclesiastes is a great book to read. Um, because it helps us to sift the things that we're chasing in life and helps us to show us something incredibly simple. We live our lives under the sun. And to do that without God at the centre is a vain and meaningless exercise. But what I want us to notice about this passage is every season or every activity, not under the sun, 
but under the heavens. And notice that compared with everything else that the preacher has to say in Ecclesiastes, it locates all the times of life, all these seasons that God gives us, not under the sun, but under the heavens. That is, everything in this time-bound universe is under the authority of God who is in heaven. We are not self-sufficient in these times and seasons, but we're actually under and within the control of a sovereign creator. That is the wisdom uh, that this uh, passage here is inviting us to consider as we start a new year is very simple. There is nothing that has happened in your life or there is nothing that will happen in your life this year that is outside the will or the plans of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that uh, a burden-lifting, um, soul-freeing, uh, mind-rejuvenating truth to consider at the start of this year. See, the obvious point that this passage makes is that you and I are not in charge of time. God is. We are not masters of our own destiny. God is. Now, I hope you have uh, made your wills and made your preparations. I hope you have backed up your computers because something is going to happen in the last in, in the minute before 11 o'clock this morning, does anyone know? It's happening all around the world. Adding a second. Adding a second. So the last minute before 11am this morning around the world, all the atomic clocks everywhere are going to have a 61 second minute. Did you know that? Now, that was the sort of thing that was they were worried about YK2 and that the computers were going to, you know... Now, it's happened before. It's okay. I think they've probably worked it out by now. Um, but here's what I think it illustrates. Why are they doing that? Well, because these atomic clocks that now measure time, they're so accurate. I don't know. Does anyone know? It's like one second within 142 million or something. It's, it's ridiculously accurate. What they've worked out is that the rotation of the Earth has slowed that we need to add a second to sort of catch up. Now, and as I thought about that, I thought, wow, all it just shows is, is how wonderful, you know, what great timekeepers we've become. But we've got no control over how, how fast the earth is spinning, have we? We can't control when the sun rises, when it sets. We can't do that. All we can do is measure accurately time which I think is a beautiful illustration of what this passage is teaching us as we start off this year. See, what we heard were 14 pairs of truths. It's two times seven. Uh, you'll know for those of us who are part of a Revelation series that the, the number seven all through Scripture is that number for completion, the number of perfection. 14 pairs of truths that are capturing the completeness of God's control over every time, over every season. And notice each pair has a polar opposite. It's why I sort of put green and red. Um, they, each, each sort of polar opposite pair, they make up a whole. Um, so just for example, uh, birth and death covers the whole span of human existence. Weeping and laughing covers the full range of human emotion. And, and so it goes on. That is, it, it's a poetic way, uh, a lyric uh, to, to help us 
capture the idea that God rules all the moments, all the seconds of all of our days, of all of our years. And so how wise is the human being who understands this, who postures their life accordingly? Now, uh, people who know more uh, about Ecclesiastes as me, and you can sort of read this from a plain hearing, just saying, well, look, um, you can discuss this over morning tea, whether you're more of a pessimist or an optimist, you know, which way you fall. You could read this passage sort of pessimistically. I call it the glum view of time, the glum view of time. You know, that is, what's this passage saying? About, that we can't resist the march of time. Time is relentless. Time is unstoppable. We, we don't decide when we're born. We don't decide when we die. There's a season to plant. Uh, it's usually autumn. If you plant in summer, generally stuff won't grow. Uh, there's a season to harvest that summer. You know, over in the west coast, the Air Peninsula, it was going to be one of the biggest bumper crops that we've had in the last 20 or 30 years. Well, last week, hundreds of millions of dollars, bang, gone. And man, I feel for those farmers all year watching their crops literally days away from reaping. Gone. No control. The seasons are set, as is the length of a day. The sun rises, the sun sets. Seasons come and go, round around the years go. Uh, another birthday, another anniversary, another Christmas. Uh, someone has told me that I'm turning the big 5-0 this year. I don't know what's happening with you this year. You know, there are good times. A holiday, time with friends, a wedding, a newborn child. And then there are those hard seasons. Death of a child. Unexpected retrenchment from your job watching your parents separate and divorce or watching a parent die. Life goes round and round and then suddenly, guess what? It's your turn to die. Perhaps you'll see it coming. Perhaps you won't. Uh, Jamie uh, caught up with all of his mates uh, this week, uh, one of whom, uh, Phil, was a very fit man, uh, riding his bike, rode around a corner. He got run over by a semi-trailer. Like, run over. He survived, just. A whole year in hospital, broken pelvis, you name it, everything. He's just come back. He's, just, he's, he's now, and, and Jamie said, for the first time in six years, he walked in without any AIDS. Six hours a day, Six days a week for six years, he's been doing rehab. I don't reckon he planned what happened to him. See, there's a time for everything. There's not a time for you or I to do everything, but there's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. Uh, for those of us who are familiar with this book, you'll know that the book begins and ends with those words, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless or Vanity, vanity, everything is vanity under the sun. If you try and do life as if you are in control of the times and seasons. Try and do life without God at the centre of your life. And this, I think, is partly what makes Ecclesiastes so helpful for us as we start another year. And let's face it, there are things about being a Christian, being a theist, that sort of make life harder. Uh, we, you know, I wonder what you possibly could do with the extra time uh, on a Sunday morning. The time that you give to fellowship, to, to, to ministry, or the money that you give. 
you look over the fence at your, uh, you know, seemingly happy atheist or secular neighbours and you think, oh, wouldn't mind a piece of that. What is so helpful about this book is that the writer, the teacher, the preacher, he spends a lot of the book sitting in the seat of the secular atheist, looking at life, deconstructing life as if he is a secular atheist to show us, the reader, just how meaningless and vain life is without God in the centre. And so the teacher asks us in verses 9 and 10, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Uh, That word gain there, uh, what do workers gain from their toil? Maybe you've been thinking about that yourself. You know, you've, you're putting in your good 50 to 70 hours a week in your job and you think, Whoa, you know, where's the recognition? What's there at the end of it? Uh, gain is a business word. It just means to profit. What will you have to show for your brief time on this earth or on your deathbed? No one on their deathbed. Oh, I haven't read any books anyway. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I've never read any book where someone said, you know, on their deathbed, I just wish I could have spent more time at work. I just haven't read that. Um, Who hasn't had the feeling like we are toiling just to keep our heads above water? Who of us hasn't felt the burden of toil without profit? You know, you sort of, you've got to the end of the day or you've got to the end of a project and it just didn't go as planned. See, there are beautiful days, there are good times, but even the best of times always seemed tinged or tainted by frustration. Uh, So in his book, Time for Everything, Matt Fuller, he records what UK cyclist Bradley Wiggins, what he said when he won the Tour de France. He said, you know, there was a light melancholiness on the, on the podium. There was a light sadness on the podium because I thought nothing will ever top this. He's just won the Tour de France, but it's tainted, it's tinged, it's, it's frustrated. And that's the burden of time, even the best of times, the greatest of your achievements, they will pass. Now, as I said, that's the glum or pessimistic view of this passage, but but then I think there's a more optimistic or positive view where we take the view that time is a gift. Time is a gift from a loving, sovereign creator. Verses 10 and 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has set eternity in the human heart. So the theist, the Christian, they know that God has made everything. Uh, The Christian knows that we can trust in the promises of God in the Bible. The Christian knows that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Now the word beautiful there, it's a term for visual, uh, sort of physical beauty. Uh, That is, uh, the theist, the Christian, can look out at the world, can look out at all the times and seasons that that, that in life and 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 see something of its beauty uh, to to have it to take your breath away uh, to, to see the divine wisdom that is woven in to it that, to, to see the sovereignty god a sovereign god at work in his world we, we can see that wisdom and it's beautiful it's beautiful to the eye even if it's hard. For the believer, you see, even the frustrations that are sort of there, tainting and tinging the best of our times, God has actually set these into the created order 
um, uh, something of his sovereign grace, his love, his wisdom uh, in, a, in a world full of people who have fallen from his grace. Uh, he's just desperate that people would uh, stop and search and, and find their way back to God. Uh, and I think at the heart of this frustration, it's a very simple frustration. It's that we are mortal, that we are dust. We are dust. And so he says this in verses 18 and 20, if you want to have a look. These weren't read out. Verses 18 and 20. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust and to dust all return. Now, he's not saying we are no more than an animal. What he's saying is human beings and animals are all under the same judgment. The spirit of an animal goes down. The spirit of a human being, though, goes up. And there's a difference. See, the beauty and the frustration is there to cause us to look beyond the sun, to look beyond the material for our maker, to look beyond created stuff for a creator. Even Australian secular authors like Alison Haynes know this, and so she writes in her book about time, we seek to be masters of time with our urges, to hide the signs and symptoms of ageing, at constant juggling with appointments and tasks and desires to get things done. Notice she doesn't say that we are masters, but we seek to be masters. And she's just really saying it's all an act. It's all an act because deep down we know that living life by the clock is not how we're made to live. Uh, writes CL, My mother had cancer and died when she was only 65. That's given me a sense of time being something that we should cherish and enjoy. What does it take to stop you in your tracks? To really stop you and make you think and reflect on your life and, 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 and honestly assess what it is you're really living for and how that fits and aligns with this wisdom here. When we feel as though life doesn't offer us enough time, it's because God has set eternity in our hearts. Whenever you feel like you're out of time, it's because God has set eternity in your heart. And to realize that is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to realize, that you and I were actually made for something more. You and I were made to enjoy an eternity of time with God, our creator. And here's the thing. God has set eternity in the human heart, yet we're told that no one, no human being, can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You see, we need a word from outside of us to save us, a word from God outside to, to save us from the illusion that you and I are actually in control of the times or seasons, that we, we can, we're in control of the times of laughter and weeping or mourning or dancing. And I think the key truth that this passage is leading us to 
is that if you want to begin to really experience the peace and the rest and the joy of time as God's gift, as a gift, it's to realise that you cannot control the seasons of your life. And so stop trying. But we can trust the Lord God who does control those seasons. Who always has your best interests in heart. And what kind of life does this lead to? We'll have a look at verses 12 to 14. 12 to 14. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. That is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. They will properly reverence him. Uh, His creatures will properly hold him in awe and wonder and be quick to turn to him always in prayer, quick to submit to his will and his word with all joy. I mean, can you imagine waking up each day in 2017 with the thought, wow, God has given me time to enjoy and serve him this day. And I'm really looking forward to see what season God's got planned for me today. Can you imagine getting to the end of each day this year, just being at peace and satisfied in your toil, thankful for your work that God has given you, thankful for for your play, for your times of rest and fun as a gift, not as a right. Yeah, sure, you're tired, but you're not exhausted. You're satisfied, not anxious. You're fulfilled rather than full of guilt for all the things that you've you've not been able to do or feel you've failed to achieve. Can you imagine beginning each day just at peace with God and at peace with your world, knowing that there is a time for everything that God expects of you? But there's not time for you to do everything that you may want to do or that the world says you should do and that you actually feel okay about that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting to the end of each day knowing that God has used every second, every season, every situation in that day to conform you more and more to the likeness of his son? And so we come to point three, the end and time a new priority, a new paradigm. And I just want to spend a few minutes here thinking about the person, Jesus Christ. See, in the person of Jesus Christ, don't we see most clearly God's perfect timing in the flesh? See, where history records in Jesus and the events of his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection where we can see in time and place, we can see concretely in history that God really, really, really is in control of the times and the seasons according to his will and the promises of his word. So just let me give you a couple of examples here. The Bible tells us there was a time for Jesus to be born. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, a born of woman. 
Sounds a bit like Ecclesiastes 3, doesn't it? That there was a day appointed for Jesus to die. That despite the plots of those opposed to Jesus, Jesus kept saying to his followers, now is not the hour. Now is not the hour. And then in Gethsemane, suddenly, he says, now is the hour. The scriptures say that at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 6. On the third day, the scriptures promised repeatedly that the suffering servant son of God would rise from the dead. He did. Now, I think what that means is, as we get into the year, just determine to do whatever it takes to keep your heart, your mind, your eyes fixed on Jesus, God's perfect timing and the perfecter of your faith. Do whatever it takes to regularly remember the events around Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. Because by doing that, we'll constantly be reminded who's in charge of the times and seasons in your life. That is, you look to the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus, it reminds us that God is never late. God is never early. God is always right on time. He's perfect in his timing always. And so as we look to the crucified risen Jesus Christ, we looked to the perfection, to the end, in whom God has given all power and authority over the times and seasons, over your life, over your death, over your resurrection, over where you will spend eternity. It's all been given to Jesus. He is your end. He is your perfect you. He is your eternity. From beginning to end, God's sovereignty over time and eternity is perfectly and gloriously displayed in Jesus. And it is there for any human being to consider the, the righteousness, the holiness, the wisdom of God that is right there in Jesus for you and me. And here's the thing, if Jesus could entrust his times into his heavenly Father's hands, then surely if he could do it, we are given courage to entrust our times into his Father's hands. You know that um, uh, while on the run, from his enemies, especially from King Saul. Uh, David penned a number of songs. One of them was Psalm 31. And here's part of his prayer that you might like to memorise and pray each morning as you get into this year. I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. And so as we finish, it's a simple question. Have you yet reached the time in your life where it's actually time for you to start to think differently about time? Someone wisely wrote, time is a priceless currency, a fragment of eternity given by God for our stewardship. That's beautiful, isn't it? A fragment of eternity given by God for you to steward. Whatever time you have, it's a gift. 
please hear this. We steward the time that God has given us, not to earn our place in heaven. But because by faith in Jesus, your place in heaven is already assured. It's in response to God's grace. We steward the time God has given us not to earn our place in heaven, but because by faith in Jesus, your place in heaven is assured. And so just like Jesus' first coming, it was at God's perfect timing, so Jesus' second coming will be at God's perfect timing. And so surely wise is the person who will plan for another year with an eye to that day that is coming. When every human being will stand before Jesus and be audited for how it is we've responded to his word. To whether we've put our trust in Jesus and loved God and loved neighbour as an expression of that faith. The wise person knows God has not given us time to do everything, but that everything that is going to happen in your life this year is going to happen at exactly the right time from a loving and gracious creator and saviour God who loves you more than you can imagine, who's already there in the future. He's taken everything that matters about tomorrow in his son. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our times are in your hands. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. To trust in Jesus absolutely. To serve Jesus wholeheartedly. To follow Jesus faithfully. And to look forward to that day when we will be with Jesus safely. Amen.